Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Market View, where we take a look at what's next for equity, debt, commodity, and currency markets to help you better position your portfolios. Now, in this special edition of Market View, we are going to take you through some of the key highlights for the private credit market in 2023, as well as what to watch out for in 2024. But first things first, what exactly is private credit? Well, according to Prequeen, private credit refers to the provision of debt finance to companies from funds rather than banks, bank-led syndicates, or public markets. Now, this mode of financing has seen continued global momentum of late. For one thing, local bank DBS said private credit soared to 1.6 trillion US dollars globally and 350 billion US dollars in dry powder. But what is driving the momentum, and how far have higher interest rates and public bond yields complicated? Matters, and with Asia constituting 41% of global GDP and exhibiting robust fundamentals, DBS added that Asia remains a bright spot despite the recent dip in credit and private equity fundraising. But why is this the case, and what lies ahead for the private credit landscape for 2024? Well, lots of questions and 40 answers. I've got with me Clifford Lee, global head of fixed income at DBS Bank. Clifford, welcome. Thank you very much, Jensen. Happy to be here. Great to have you on board. And Clifford, before we get started, appreciate it if we could start by unpacking the term private credit. What does private credit entail for the man in the street? I understand it comes in. Different forms of lending, ranging from direct lending, mezzanine funds, distressed debt to project financing. So tell us more. Like you said,、um, the the textbook as as it stands, the textbook explanation of private credit is、um, it caters to borrowing needs that's not met by traditional bank lending or the public、uh, markets like public bond markets. Then it begs the question: Why is it that、um, uh, it's not accessible、um, uh, in those traditional markets? It's because of a, a, a mixture of things. First and foremost,、uh, and the drivers for the private credit growth in U.S. and Europe is slightly different from those in Asia. In U.S. and Europe,、uh, it is driven very much by、uh, capital constraints faced by banks.、Um, the banks there basically、um, uh, do not have the uh, capital uh, uh, capacity to do more lending into certain sectors. And、uh, to give you some statistics on on the limitations there in the U.S.,、uh, it is said that banks only cater to thirty percent of the borrowing needs uh, 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 in in the market, and in Europe is some forty percent. So clearly, there's a gulf of、uh, there's a big void of borrowing needs that needs to be、uh, catered to met, and that's being met by、uh, private credit. In Asia, we、mm-hmm. have a、uh, less less of a case because in Asia. Uh, banks still provide some eighty percent of uh, uh, borrowing needs, uh, meets borrowing needs in the market, and so as a result, the growth is driven by effectively、uh, different risk appetite, different ways of lending that is still uh, not uh, not available from the bank market, whether it's due to regulations or、uh, or、uh, risk appetite. That's sort of a, a deeper dive into what private credit is and what what it avails. Right, and I suppose this is a common question as well, Clifford.、Uh, just to set the stage for our listeners, what is the difference between shadow banking and private credit? Well, shadow banking is very much uh, uh, not as organized, if you make me. When it talks about private credit, especially when private credit funds are set up, there are stipulations on where what it can lend to, 
the sizes uh, uh, of each of the loans, the geographical spread, um, and uh, and uh, a lockup period of the investments. So it is done in a more uh, organized form, more and more so as the private credit market develops. Mm. And also, Clifford, who can participate in the private credit market, both on the lending or investing, if you will, and the receiving ends? Uh, can retail investors participate in private debt markets through funds? Okay. Firstly, let's take the first question. Who can participate in the private credit market? From the borrower's standpoint, borrowers that has funding funding needs, that, as I said, is not met by banks or the public markets, will go to the private credit uh, funds to seek for funding solutions. Now, the funding solutions from uh, credit funds would be more structured, more bespoke, and, and catering to the uh, respective situation. It can be a pre-IPO type financing. It can be transition financing whereby... The company might be cash trapped for that uh, uh, at that juncture, but asset rich. So on their standpoint, they can do uh, share back uh, asset financing and asset backed financing until the cash flows normalizes. So for each of these special situations, um, private credit funds are able to meet those financing needs in a more creative, innovative, and structured way. Now for investors, investors that basically have been investing in the bond market and the uh, equity market over the past. Uh, a few uh, many months, they can they have seen that the returns have been very very uh, challenged, right? So they are looking for a an alternative, a different asset class to be able to invest in. And when you see private credit funds offering uh, mid to uh, low to mid teens in terms of returns, it 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 uh, it is drawing more of the attention to understand a bit more. And when they realize that they are participating in a lending market that's uh, that is uh, traditionally not available to them. Uh, they can also use that as an additional asset class to go into that space. Now, your last question uh, as to whether it's suitable for retail investors, I'd say that this is really very specialized type of a, pro- a product. So you need to be able to be more uh, cognizant of risks. You must understand what you're investing in because different private credit funds have different investment mandates, different geographical investment mandates, different uh, risk profiles, uh, different lockup periods, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you need to be a fairly uh, more seasoned, more sophisticated in, uh, investor to go into that asset class, especially when, for private credit funds, uh, your investment is locked up for a uh, some six to seven years. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have the liquidity that you might you might want if you or you might have if you if you are investing in a public bond market or public equity markets. Right. And let's take a look at the state of the private credit market right now. Uh, Clifford, DBS has said that the global momentum continues with private credit soaring to 1.6 trillion US dollars globally. And you're also seeing 350 billion US dollars in dry powder. Just so that we get the numbers sorted out, is that as of December 2023? And by how much has the private credit market grown over the past year then? The latest figure we have from, like you said, the Pricklin uh, report, is as of this year, the uh, private credit market globally has reached uh, $1.6 trillion. That's one dynamic. The second dynamic to note, however, out of, uh, out of that $1.6 trillion, only around about 6% is allocated to Asia. So that's, that's the size and the state of the, uh, of the market. And it has grown uh, substantially, uh, many, many folds since it is serviced and continues to, to, to grow in quite a uh, um, encouraging uh, rate. Why? Because, as I said, in in US and Europe, there's still uh, borrowing needs uh, that is not met by the by the banks. 
So they are going into the prior credit space to have to fund their economic growth. In Asia, where it's making up a big chunk of the uh, uh, global uh, GDP uh, output, the 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 uh, the private credit market there is still very and, and it's a very uh, embryonic state, if you may. There's been uh, funds raised in Asia, uh, uh, um, and the rate of fundraising there is also showing the uh, increasing global attention on the markets here. And in Asia, um, as you said, it, it is Asia is not one market. Asia is is the fragmented market with different regulations, uh, different culture, different business uh, um, practices. So be, to be able to crack into that market would really uh, be something. But in order to do that, you really have to have uh, onshore domestic uh, expertise, people on the ground, and, and that's where DBS uh, uh, serves. DBS has, has branches across Asia, very deeply embedded in Asia. So we, we have started a partnership with, with funds to be able to tap into this market and we feel that there's a lot more to do so because a big chunk of the financing needs in Asia uh, uh, are coming from SMEs, right. small medium enterprises. Right. And it's, again, in that space, you've heard it said many times that many of their needs are not met by the bigger banks, by the public markets. So that's where bespoke solutions can be provided by private credits. And, and that's where a lot of the potential uh, of the growth can come from. Mm. And in the meantime, uh, Clifford, I know you talked about growth opportunities in Asia, but as far as we look at the global momentum right now, what is driving that momentum? I mean, we've seen rising interest rates, higher U.S. Treasury yields forming much of our conversations for this year. What is then the implication of higher rates, higher Treasury yields on the private credit market then? The private credit market started growing very rapidly and fundraising uh, grew also very in, in, in an encouraging pace when rates are very, very low. Right when rates were going up, and uh, uh, it became more challenging for for uh, uh, private credit funds to do their fundraising rounds, and this year uh, proved to be very challenging because precisely of that. But as you have already heard from from uh, the market, the the Fed has indicated that they they have uh, basically practically uh, ceased the uh, rate hike cycles. Right, no more rate hikes are expected now by the market. In fact, the market is looking forward to rate cuts next year. So when rates start coming back down to a more normalized level, not as low as near zero that we've seen in the past, but a more normalized level, you can see private credit fundraising, I believe that it'll pick up again soon because it's still offering uh, uh, yields in the terms of the uh, low to mid teens. And and that's still much higher than uh, much of the, uh, the public uh, credit market uh, yields especially in the uh, investment grade space. Mm. So we feel that with the rates normalizing, the prior credit growth and the fundraising growth will uh, will come back and the momentum will pick up again. Just uh, going back a little bit, we talked about that 1.6 trillion, uh, private credit soaring to 1.6 trillion USD globally. That's 350 billion US dollars in dry powder. And you said that that global momentum is continuing. So would you say that it is resilient despite the challenging environment? Actually, um, the more challenging the environment, the more relevant the private credit uh, space would be. Mm-hmm. Because when the market is, is, is functioning regularly and, 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 and capital is cheap and available, then private credit uh, uh, space would be, uh, it would be the hardest space to operate in. But with the, like you said, challenging market conditions, with US and Europe still having, uh, the banks having the capital constraints that they do, capital uh, private credit markets will continue to grow. And you see new funds being raised quite regularly. 
in Asia, where you see uh, growth continuing to to pick up, and where SME SME financing needs still not being properly met, you will see the private credit space being relevant. From that's really from an operating lending standpoint. From an investment standpoint, I think investors have have uh, seen uh, disappointing outcomes from the public bond markets over the past uh, uh, one or two years. And, and, and disappointing uh, outcomes from the equity market enough to drive them to think of an alternative asset class. Mm-hmm. So private credit then becomes more relevant uh, to them. And when they realize that they can have an asset class that uh, endeavors to provide, let's call it the uh, low to mid-teens returns mm-hmm. on, a, on an annual regular basis, it becomes very attractive and it, 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 is, it is getting the attention it's deserving. And I feel that, that the attention will only grow and more is understood about a private credit space. Mm. And I think when we look at the private credit space, I know we talk about interest rates and all that, right? If we look at a lower rate environment, then perhaps more people would like to borrow through the private credit space. If we look at a higher interest rate environment, more investors want to go into private credit space. So looking ahead when we have uh, the Fed pricing in three rate cuts in 2024, what do you think that will mean for the private credit market in terms of the number of firms coming on board to say, hey, I want to take on private credit? versus the number of investors who come in to say, hey, I want to put my money into invest and private credit market. Okay. One of the uh, more recent challenges, serious challenges that was facing uh, private credit funds in raising uh, uh, financing is precisely because base rates are so high and uh, plain vanilla bonds were uh, giving very uh, uh, healthy returns, right? So when rates start to go down and returns on the bond yields lower, then the private credit uh, asset class as, as, as an investment tool will, again, be very relevant and very, very attractive in terms of uh, 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 the returns that they achieve for you. That's from the investor space. From the, um, from the borrower space, the macro uh, uh, drivers has not, has not changed. Whether rates are high or low, there still be capital constraints facing banks uh, in, the, in US and Europe. There will still be uh, different uh, financing uh, risk uh, parameters uh, that banks are used to that certain borrowers uh, cannot meet. So in that space, the uh, uh, borrowing needs from prior credit would become more relevant. And one more thing to note is that um, many times the private credit uh, financing comes in not just to replace uh, bank loans. They are coming in to replace equity. Because fundraising in the, uh, in the IPO mm-hmm. market has become more challenging, right? Yes. So instead of uh, uh, going to the private equity space, which is even more expensive for the, for the uh, companies needing financing, they're going to somewhere between private equity and, and bank loans. That's the uh, space in the middle. That's private credit. So for as long as the market uh, um, continues to learn about this asset class from an in- the borrower standpoint or investor standpoint, and we're still in early days. Uh, mm. The more they know about it, the more they can apply uh, their needs to to be met by uh, the private credit space. The the, the continued growth in the, this private credit sector will 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 be seen uh, to carry on in uh, in the next few years, as far as we can see. Mm. And Clifford, you have mentioned a number of times about Asia holding immense untapped potential. This is despite a recent dip in APEC private credit fundraising. Tell us more about that. What is the one trend that you're watching out on this front? In Asia, it's not just a private credit uh, space that's uh, uh, less developed than the rest of the world. 
the entire credit market is less developed than the rest of the world. Um, uh, that's why you're seeing that from a credit standpoint, uh, it will continue to grow and develop in Asia as Asia continues to expand economically um, and their funding needs goes beyond what banks can supply, right? Uh, like I said, in Asia, banks are supplying uh, 80% of the of the uh, debt uh, to uh, funding for, for debt needs, right? That uh, will continue to be challenged as, econ- as economies in Asia grow. And it, as you've heard it before, that Asia will be uh, the fastest uh, growing uh, uh, area, uh, segment in, in, in the world globally. And that growth will need more financing. With uh, financing coming in, we hope to see the uh, the uh, debt market develop much faster, the bond market develop much faster, and lo- alongside that, the private credit space also develop uh, faster. So much so that you will have a, a, a healthy and active and liquid uh, uh, debt capital market um, in Asia. And with that, investment opportunities will also uh, grow for investors to be able to invest in Asia. Now, much of this, uh, 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 more investment interest globally in Asia then there are investment opportunities. So with the deepening mm-hmm. of the markets here, um, it, it bodes well for investors and borrowers uh, in Asia and, uh, and globally, in fact. Mm. And before we let you go, Clifford, uh, as we look to 2024, what is the one other trend that you'll be watching out for in the private credit market? Um, and why is this the case? I think uh, in the private credit market in 2024, with the intention it's garnering, I think the markets will continue, investors and, and borrowers will begin to better understand what the private credit space can can provide. And there'll be clarity. But like you started off, right? The private credit uh, uh, term encompasses a broad array of, uh, of lending, of borrowing needs, right? From a uh, special situations to down to uh, distressed. From single asset uh, back financing down to sh- uh, share financing. So I'm seeing in 2024, I think that there should be more clarity in prior credit and funds will also be raised catering to specific types of risks so that investors will know what they're getting into and the risk that uh, that comes alongside with that and the returns as well. Much to look forward to in 2024. Thanks a lot, Clifford. That was Clifford Lee, Global Head of Fixed Income at DBS Bank. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.